Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. And it's drafting time. We do a lot of drafts on this pod. Andrew, this is the first one you're going to be partaking in. And this one's just very simple. Um, We've talked to a lot of players. We've talked a lot of football. We've talked a lot of quarterback talk. So we're just going to spend the rest of this week having some fun. Drafting the best 15 players on offense. And then on Friday, we'll come back and we'll do the best players on defense. Andrew, we are going to give you the number one pick. I think there is a consensus on who we think the number one pick is. But, you know, just like in real life, sometimes the draft can go a little skewy, especially when I have the number one pick because I sometimes go off the board a little bit. So to get straight into it, Andrew, who are you taking as the best player on Ohio State's offense entering the 2023 season? Yeah, uh, this very much feels like the, you know, what like the NFL team has been given an expansion team or the expansion team gets the first overall pick. Uh, So I felt good about that. I feel very good that I'm taking Marvin Harrison Jr. Um, I was I was kind of thinking like, man, it would be (laughs) be sick to have that guy. Um, So, yeah, I have Marv and I thought about it for zero seconds it was an instantaneous oh i have the number one pick i'm taking marv cool um i don't think anybody else would have taken anybody else i think every listener would have taken marv or most Mm. listeners i should hope um i think you guys would have taken marv um i mean you're talking about a guy who's one of the best you know players in college football let alone receivers um you know you're talking about a guy who 1,200 yards last year, 14 touchdowns. He can do it all. I I felt good with Marv. I took Marv. Wasn't complaining about it, so very happy with it. Nathan, is that who you have taken with the first pick? Oh, yeah, very clearly. You know, um, Mm -hmm. someone who already is, I think, considered one of the best pound-for-pound football players in the country, maybe the best, if you were to just poll everyone. I mean, I'm sure Caleb Williams would get some votes there, but, I mean, as far as just the complete package and what he means to sort of define his position in the sport this year, very few people in that, that category. So that means there's 
nobody else on this roster that, that rises to that level. He is in a tier to himself. And it's, you know, I, I hate to hate to bring this up, but a year ago at this time, we would have been having similar conversations, not quite the same, about Jackson Smith and Jigby. He wasn't coming off a unanimous All-America season, obviously, but he was coming off a record-setting season and was poised to then be the dude that leading mm-hmm. this offense, the centerpiece of the offense. And now it's interesting to see, maybe, hopefully, we get to see what a second year can be for those guys. Because we were very interested to see how teams were going to react to Jackson Smith and Jigba and what Ohio State was then going to do to maximize Jackson Smith and Jigba when it knows everybody is trying to take him away. And the conversation is is similar, even though the position flips a little bit within the, the wide receiver alignment with Marvin Harrison. And I'm curious what Ohio State's going to do proactively to maximize him as a weapon against what they assume the defenses are going to try to do. And then how do they react when defenses maybe throw something that they weren't expecting? What does it mean for this offense? He's He just carries such a gravity into this season. So much of what we think Ohio State will look like as far as gaining yards and scoring points, he is the pivot guy that all of that revolves around, I think, even more than the quarterback. Because as I've said before, as other people have said, these quarterbacks are at the end of the day, in that same mold, more or less. So I think Marvin Harrison Jr. is still the guy who most determines what a play, a given play, a given important play, maybe is the best way to say it, looks like for Ohio State in 2023. You brought Jackson with the Jigba in the, maybe it's a different alignment, but maybe at sometimes it won't be. You know, he talked about the the problem that he could potentially be in this slot this year. It won't be a normal part of things but in bigger games where they're trying to create mismatches maybe we see him motion into the slot at some times like we saw against Georgia he was number one for me Andrew you said that you think everybody who listens to this pod would have voted Marvin Harrison Jr. there my friend you would be wrong he did get the bulk of the votes he got 95.2 percent of the votes but he is not the only person who got a first place vote seven other guys got a first place vote including Three others who got multiple first place votes, including a quarterback, which is going to be fun here. Now, um, the fun thing about doing these these polls is sometimes you can tell when someone's just kind of messing around with us because most of Marvin's votes are anywhere between one and six, which, I mean, the closer you get to six, you're like, what? Maybe somebody messed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he got he got he, he got multiple. Uh, for the most part, it was either first or second place votes. But he also got one tenth place vote and one thirteenth place vote. Which I mean, listen, we're not all tech, techno savvy, so it could, I'll chalk it up to some of that being that. But Marvin Harrison Jr., a unanimous All American last year, he is a consensus number one pick amongst the Buckeye Talk crew, but he is not a unanimous. Number one pick amongst the Buckeye Talk crew and the Subtexter crew. crew. 614-350-3315. Sign up for the text if you wanted to vote Marvin Harrison Jr., number one, in our best player on offense poll. Nathan, you're up with the number two pick. Who are you going with here? I, I'm really not trying to overthink this too much. I think it's Emeka Buka, and mm. I, I don't really think it's that close. Now, you can make a case for the quarterbacks, and we're going to obviously talk about them very quickly. But right now... If the season were to get wiped out, 
by, or we just, if, let's not say it that way. If we were to just like close our eyes, snap our fingers, and we fast forward to next April, like who do we think on this team is like a guaranteed first round NFL draft pick? Besides Marvin Harrison Jr. on this offense, it's Emeka Buka. I think that's really just the, the the one criteria that I have. And he gets overlooked so much. I, I don't think he's overlooked by opposing defenses. I think he will probably, you know, people are well aware. It's just a pick your poison situation with this receiving core. But I also am, I think he's probably also been overlooked in terms of the intrigue that we should have about what his third season should look like. You know, he played a little bit as a freshman. He also had some nice moments in the Rose Bowl. He just didn't get to be featured the same way that mm-hmm. that Marvin Harrison Jr. and um, uh, and um, and Jackson one guy. were in in twenty twenty one. And how, how quickly I forgot! I forgot from even the first thing I said on this pod. Shame, shame. <laughs> you got they get on me a lot for like you know pushing receivers off when they're no longer here. Nathan just pulled a Steven by doing that. Yeah, that was it was within the that three minute span. Um, but you could see that you know, and what he was doing in special teams, even going into last year, you could see it coming, and just became such a reliable receiver. But I wonder if like a, a guy who maybe hasn't had quite the same amount of those sort of viral moments or those like real eye poppers, the way that Marvin Harrison Jr. does sometimes, just the way he can contort and make interesting catches in, in traffic and things like that when he's covered. Like, what does Abuka start to do that pops him to, like, a next level and and shows what he can do um, as, a, as a, like, a fully rounded athlete now coming into his third year? I'm super intrigued by that, again, especially because he gets to operate off of the attention that Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to draw on every single snap. I think the interesting thing about him is, he was talking about it when we talked to wide receivers on Tuesday evening and he got asked, you know, where, what's different about you this year? You know, the typical, like, how are you better? All that stuff. And he said, I'm healthy. He wouldn't disclose what the injuries were. I asked, and he just said a couple of nagging things, but he was dealing with a lot of stuff that physically didn't let him maximize himself. And maybe that showed up in the Penn state game where you know he just couldn't break loose a lot of the times until that late deep ball from C.J. Stroud. He had started the year off so consistent, being a 100-yard-per-game guy, and maybe it tailed off a little bit. So if he's going to get through this year and he's just a little bit healthier, plus Marvin Harrison Jr. being the number one thing on maybe everybody's scouting report, he's probably number two, right, coming into the season. And this is a guy where we're talking about, can we move Marvin Harrison to the slot? Ryan Day used the name Debo Samuel last year when we're talking about Emeka Buka as a guy who you can use him in the run game on jet sweeps. He's going to be the punt returner this year. Obviously, he's a slot receiver. He can play all the three wide receiver positions. I think there's something that's maybe untapped with him as well with how creative they – maybe some of those Jackson plays that they didn't get to use last year because he got injured, maybe some of those go to Emeka Buka this year instead of always going to Xavier Johnson because he can do a lot of that stuff too. Andrew – where was Emeka Ibuka on your list? Number two. Um, so so mm. far, I so for full disclosure, um, I kind of misunderstood the directions of this pod, and what I did was I just ranked fifteen on offense. So you can we still got do that. Two, we we can, but we still got the top two players off my big board. So I feel good that I haven't screwed it up too bad. But we're two of two out of fifteen. Um, so we'll, we'll see where we, we'll see where we end up. But yeah, I, I think Emeka was second for me. And like Nathan said, I'm not sure 
it was all that close. Um, I, I think that, you know, you, you really, I mean, you obviously start to get into the nitty gritty right around, you know, the mid to kind of late portion of this here. But yeah, for, for Emeka, it was, it was pretty clear number two for me. So the Texas agree. He was number two. He had 67.9% of the second place votes in our poll. His votes ranged anywhere from first through 13th, but the bulk of them were, were first through through fifth place. He had two first place votes. So there's some more first place votes that come off of that tally there. Go ahead, Nathan. It is interesting. We've seen a couple of people in our texts over the past couple of weeks kind of poke back and be a little bit on like, hey, is Marvin Harrison Jr. really like the greatest mm-hmm. football player of all time? So I think I think there's some people who <laughs> yeah. are maybe just a yeah. little bit over the hype, and I, I get it. Yeah. Um, it, I just think I still would vote him number one. Yeah, and most of the people who took first place votes from him, they're all understandable as we continue down this list. It's not like um, Lincoln Keynos got a first place vote here. It's, they're all reasonable people to vote in first place. I'll go. I'm going third, and I'm going to take the guy that the Texans also voted third. He got 102 uh, third place votes, 35.2 percent of the third place votes. So this is where it starts to, you know, spread out a little bit with who got votes where. He also got one first place vote, and that's running back Travion Henderson, which I think is an interesting spot because we did a similar exercise going in the last year, and he was clearly amongst the top three. And coming off of last year, dealing with the injuries, dealing with the maybe you know, the step back, how much of it was the foot, how much of it was just a regression and overall development, sophomore slump type stuff, I thought maybe he would fall. But I think every time I've thought that our textures might be out on Travion Henderson, the numbers say he's not. They're not. Whether it was him leading the way for driving the bus when we had that pod or other conversations when we talked about the running backs or now when we're ranking the top 15 players on the offensive side of the ball, he was top three a year ago and maybe the conversation was, is he two or three worth Jack Smith the Jigba? That's the conversation while CJ Stroud's clearly number one. Now it seems like he's clearly number three, but he's still in that conversation to be amongst the top three players on this football team. Nathan, does does that shock you, or are you just not that surprised that people are still this high on Travion Henderson? No, it doesn't shock me, I think especially because there isn't quarterback separation right now. I didn't have Travion mm-hmm. this high, but and I don't think he should have been drafted higher than third. I, third, I think, is the highest you could draft him, just because I think there are enough legitimate questions still. and. I legitimately believe he was hurt last year. I legitimately believe it affected his performance. And I know that where there was some frustration with the coaching staff as that played out, that there was probably some miscommunications and, and one party didn't know exactly what the other party was going through. And, and we, that's been well documented. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't rank him higher than third, but I think the upside here is still massive that, you know, going into his third year, we saw enough of it as a freshman that you can say that, you know, he still has some things to prove from last year, but there's a reasonable certainty that he can. And this vote may also be influenced by what has been consistent feedback from Ryan Day, from other people you talk to around the program 
about the kind of camp that Trevian Henderson is having. Like there's there's buzz building about the fact that he looks back to normal, back to what he was before he got so hurt last year. So that also I think is probably playing into this. And and I might have voted him lower than where I had him on my, as Andrew put it, big board, um, if had if I hadn't been hearing some of the things that I'm hearing in preseason camp. So where'd you have him at for you? I had him uh, he's coming. Okay. Andrew, where did you have Travion Henderson? And are you, uh, you know, are you shocked that he's this high? No, I, I would have taken him third too if I had okay. the third pick. Um, you know, because when we did our, um, you know, our, our predictions, like our statistical predictions pod, w- whenever that was, God, I time I don't even know anymore. Two weeks ago, a week ago, whatever. We kind of talked about it and said injury notwithstanding, blank. You know, like it's no fun to say, oh, well, this guy might get banged up, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's the way that I looked at this. And what are you getting if you're getting a healthy Trevion Henderson? Well, in 2021, he had 1,200 yards, 15 touchdowns. He averaged 6.8 yards a carry. Like, you're talking about a guy who, if he's fully healthy, like if you're going to if you're going to assume that you can rely on him for 180 ish carries, you can rely on him for probably well over a thousand yards. You can rely on him for over 10 rushing touchdowns. That's that's a really, really good player. And and I think that, it, you know, if you're going to discuss him like he's fully healthy, which I think you have to, then you then I would then I would absolutely put him here. I uh, I felt pretty good about that. And, you know, when you're talking about a guy of that talent, um, I think that, you know, you, you almost have to kind of take him here. So, Andrew, that's back to you. That's our top three, Marvin Harrison Jr. one. Oh, we don't Emeka do Snake? Wow. All right. I'll take it. But Not for that. We Sometimes a... we will. Sometimes okay. we will. Not this time. We do not it for time. the more competitive ones. That's not really yes. what we're doing here. Yeah. This is Got more it. analysis. So, gotcha. back to you. You have the fourth pick, the first pick of the second round. Who are you going with? And I, it, for the, this is where it started to split off. For the Texas, really, where there's three, four, five names who are in the bunch here from four to like nine. Good. Uh, well, hopefully this is one of them. Um, so that, like you said, this was hard for me. I I debated a couple of guys here. Um, I went with a pick on the offensive line, uh, Donovan Jackson. Um, I, uh, St- Stephen made a face. Now I'm ner- now I'm worried. Um, look, I. I like the, I like the, the, you know, the, the build that he has, you know, like I admittedly, I went back and I watched some YouTube because again, I was very nervous for this draft. So I watched some of the games last year. I I watched what I could on YouTube and I like, you know, having him in the interior. I like the way that he moves as an interior guy. Um, He's got really long arms. Uh, I think that that's important as an interior offensive lineman. Um, you know, he's, he's one of the better interior offensive linemen in the country. And I think, you know, Nathan kind of mentioned this, like if you skip ahead, you know, kind of, where are you like, all right, well, I think positional value is one thing. I, I, I wasn't sure whether I should take that into account, whether you're going to take a guard or do you take a quarterback or a receiver or another running back, whatever. Um, I didn't take into account positional, uh, positional value here, which is why I ended up with, with Donovan Jackson. So I went offensive line. I went with one of the big boys. Nathan, where did you have Donovan Jackson on your list? I had him right below Henderson, and I think this is a perfectly fine range to take him in. 
And especially because I think that Andrew's right. Like he has done some good things, but he's another one of these guys that what is the reason why there is maybe an optimism at Ohio state around Ohio state that that is, that exceeds even like the surface level of the way that we've been talking about this team. And it's because all of these guys are coming into their third season. It's like every Mm -hmm. single guy it's, it's this, that's the 2021 class, you know, coming into its own and he is in that group. I mean, it, it was a huge deal to get him out of Texas to come up here, guy with Ohio connections, but still a a huge deal to get him to come up here. His trajectory all along has been to be a really fascinating weapon in the running game, potentially. I think that is still on the table this year. I think there's better football ahead of him than he's shown. And when I look at what this team might want to be, he could be critical to that and it could be something similar to what they did in 2019 where yes you had a, a great quarterback and yes you had talented receivers but you made the running game the foundation of this offense in an important way and it was behind those interior guys that you and now I'm not saying that all three of these guys are Jonah Jackson Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis in fact I'm saying they're not they're not but I think you can probably attack this in a, a similar way. You might be able to make a similar impact having these guys, you know, at least as, at least as far as how you're building the offense and what you want it to look like. I think they want to get back to where they can have that interior that is laying that foundation and and then and then attacking off of that. And he's the guy most poised to be a sort of next level offensive line performer out of this group. I think of the three interior guys who are starting this year, why oh, excuse me. Donovan Jackson has the best chance and most realistic runway of getting to that ceiling of a Jonah Jackson or a Wyatt Davis was in twenty nineteen. Because of that, I think he is the safest number four pick, and I think the right pick, because he is it's a combination of he was okay last year. He looked great. He was good for a first-year starter who was a five-star recruit. But his ceiling suggests he could be an All-American. And we know he's going to have the legitimate opportunity to have a performance that can earn him All-American status in a way that some of the guys under him, it's not the same. They don't have that same makeup. And I think some of the Texers think that too, which is why he had the second-most first-place votes. He only had four, but it was the second-most first-place votes anybody had. The bulk of his votes did still come in the fourth place spot. He had 30.3% of the fourth place votes. He had, no, excuse me. He had six, 69, he had 23.8% of his fourth place votes. He had 28.6% of the se- second place votes. So he's right here in that range with those guys. So he was fourth for me as well. And so that's why I was smiling because I thought that was a very good pick here. A guy who was a former five-star recruit who's now in year three showed you some things in year two that he could be on an All-American track this year, especially if they rely on the run game as much as I think they might to start the season here as they're figuring out this quarterback situation. Nathan, we'll let you go with your final pick here and then we'll take a break. Who did you have at number five? So I think maybe we've overthought this a little bit. You picked Kamakor to be a Heisman Trophy finalist this year when we just, a uh, top three, yeah. when we just did that pick I the did. other day. 
I, I did. I, I, Comicord was third on my list. I'm taking Comicord here. Like, it, and I don't see a huge separation between him and Devin Brown. And I think that probably is affecting if, if one of these guys or the other had been named the starting quarterback already, they would certainly have already been chosen, I think, by one of us and would have been higher among the texture votes. I think right now, the fact that they are so close is being seen as a detriment to both of them. And maybe it is. Maybe we will find that out when we get to Indiana, that 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 Ryan Day, well, it wasn't that they uh, were both so good. It was that they both had enough uh, uh, issues that it was too much of a concern for him. But I think what's actually happening here is just what we talked about the other day, that this is the way he, he built this room. He built the competition in this room. Devin Brown has risen to the occasion. It doesn't mean that Kyle McCord hasn't been good. And I think if, as we've said, if I had to pick right now, the guy that, even if they're playing both of them, the guy who takes the first snap against Indiana is Kyle McCord, based on what Ryan Day told us this week and the way that he sees the balance of those two positions and, and what those guys are, you know, the experience versus the the young guy with maybe more room to grow. So I, I don't think it's that. I would have taken Kyle McCord third. I'll take him here uh, sixth and or fifth, wherever we're at. And I, I, I don't know how you could take him much lower. And I'm not sure you could take either quarterback much lower. Texas had him seventh. And I'm inclined to agree with the Texers on that. He did have a first place vote. He did not have the most first place votes among quarterbacks, which I mean, Devin Brown had the most. He had three first place votes, and that was the only. He had the third most first first place votes. Um, which is, I mean, that's just you're picking your quarterback there, which one you wanted to go with there. So I do think they split the vote a little bit in terms of their where they ended up placing in this conversation. Just to get to it, Devin Brown finished tenth, and Kyle McCord finished seventh in this conversation. I think the quarterback still would have finished seventh, though, even if it was an already known starter. And the reason why is I don't think C.J. Stroud would have been a top five pick in 2021 going into the season as a first-year starting quarterback when there's talent around him who going into the season, the perception is they're going to carry the – he's just more of a game manager and they're going to carry the heavy lifting. And I think the same thing can apply here where – the wide receiver talent, some of the running back talent, some of the guys on the offensive line or even a tight end, you can make a case that coming into the year, they're better than the first year starting quarterback who has never started. While halfway through the year, that might start to change. So where would where would Kyle McCord be on your list? I had Kyle McCord sixth. But you think there's two more be, people you think you'll be in the top three of the I think, trophy voting. By the end I of can't the year, yes. That. I don't think he's... that makes no sense. How? How? You think we're talking Heisman about? Trophy, think the... You think he will be Heisman Trophy caliber by the end of the season? By the but in, sixth. by the yes, right now, right now. I'm not saying he's going to be sixth on this list by the end of the season. We're saying coming into the season, who are their best uh-huh. players? Not who's going to be the best players when we look back at the end of the year. Okay. Like it's no, it's you know, it's no different than if you have a preseason <laughs> ranking. If that makes perfect sense, if you pick, if a you can have a team can win a national title, but that doesn't mean coming into the season they're considered the best team in the country. No, but you don't go into the season um, taking the team that you think is the sixth best in the country and predicting them to make the playoff. Like you pick the four that you think are the four best in the country to make the playoff or the three best in the country um, in the case that we were talking about with the Heisman Trophy votes. I just 
I really am. I am confused by all of this. Like he, he's a five-star quarterback who has is is still set up to potentially be the, the starting quarterback for the season opener and potentially the starting quarterback all year. And you predicted him to finish in the top three of the Heisman Trophy voting, but we're talking about him being it the is. sixth or seventh best player on the offense. And uh, right I, now, that's, yes, that's bizarre to me. Do you think? Do you think Kyle McCord on day one? Let's just say Kyle McCord wins this starting jo- job, or even if they do the two quarterback system. Regardless, do you think any of the, either one of these quarterbacks are going to play like he's they're one of the be- three best players on this team against Indiana? Are you expecting that? Uh, sh- yeah, three top three. Do I think he could be offensive like third best player? Yeah, it could happen. So yeah. you. You think that against Indiana, he's going to be potentially better than Travion Henderson will be against Indiana? Well, I didn't know. I don't know that we're definitely, I guess, I didn't think that we were basing this whole thing just on the Indiana performance. I don't remember getting that directive. I think the question was, you're drafting the 15 best players on Ohio State's offense. And I think coming into the season. Right, but coming into the season doesn't mean just for what they do against Indiana. There's obviously a situation here where they could both quarterbacks would be playing. I had McCord third and Brown fourth on my list. Trevian Henderson fifth. Like, okay. Ohio State, Ohio State recruits and develops the best quarterbacks in the country at a level that they they don't do at running back. Uh, it's a tier above that, and they send guys to the first round. And there's I don't have reason to think that these guys aren't in that same tier. And for this offense to be because of what this offense is, uh, there's every reason to assume that whatever guy gets picked the production's going to be there. But production and saying that he's the best player are not the same thing. I think we can both agree on sure. that because of how this offense operates. So he could very easily have the production of a Heisman Trophy candidate and still not be the best player on the team or even be top three. I, I, I suppose, yeah. Andrew, where did you have Kyle McCord and Devin Brown? We can do buff here. Oh boy, uh, I did not have them at three and four. <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, uh, not to I guess throw gasoline on that fire. Uh, I had them at eight and nine. Um, I understand the argument for putting them high because hey, look, it's like it's an Ohio State quarterback. It's it, there's the end of the sentence. It's an Ohio State quarterback. And they recruit quarterbacks at a high level. Like it's not like they're trotting out like, like the quarter. It's not like the quarterback battles between one of us three and like Ohio State fans are going to listen to this, and Ohio State fans are going to listen to Ryan Day, and they're going to be like, "Who in the world did they just say is the starting quarterback?" Like you know these guys. They're you know they're recruited highly. Like they're talented players. I I just haven't seen it yet, and I don't think. I mean, I don't think anybody's seen it yet i don't think you can say you have so i had them down because when i was making my list i valued past production as kind of an indicator for what you're going to and i mean like i i just felt really reachy taking like i would have felt really reachy taking devin brown fifth or fourth or i guess so that would have been like my second pick like that would have been really scary for me because how do we know? Like, and I understand you, you have to do some projecting here a little bit, but yeah, I, I just, for me, the quarterbacks are just such an unknown quantity right now. I, I, it scares me. 
But, but, but are they an unknown quantity to that extent? Like, yeah. do you guys, as to you that picture extent, this might often, be pushing it. I fully am willing to admit. I, that. I don't. I, I don't think. I'm not. I am not worried about the quarterback play this year. And I think. I I, I think that's what you're asking, Nathan. When you, Andrew, are you worried about the quarterback play this year? Because I'm not worried. I, no, I'm, I'm with not Nathan in, the in long terms run. of no. are they going to have Heisman production? Yeah, not in the long run. I'm not worried about the quarterback position. They'll figure it out. It's Ryan Day. It's Brian Hartline. It's Ohio State. Look at their receivers. They'll be fine. The first four games, I think there might be some growing pains. Like, I think there might be a couple decisions where, especially when you look back at the quarterbacks that you've had in the last handful, Dwayne Haskins, CJ Stroud, Justin Field. Like, you look back, I'm not like, I just think that looking back at those guys, I think that that, like, if if you're going to compare them to them, which like I'm not saying Nathan's doing, but like that would be kind of a, probably more in line with what I'm saying. Like I, I just don't know if that's a realistic standard to set to set to say. All right, against Indiana, against Youngstown State, against Western Kentucky, against Notre Dame, the first month of the season, the first four games, one of these guys is going to play like the number two, the number ten, the number eight overall draft pick in the 2024 NFL draft. I, I just I didn't feel comfortable doing. that. Well, yeah, but Donovan Jackson's not going to be the number two or number eight sure, or number ten feel, pick in the NFL draft. But like, like, like okay. Stephen said, I felt safer with him because I think you've seen glimpses of it. You've seen you've seen him play well, and you can kind of model the projection and say, okay, I think he can have a really nice year this year. You can model that moving forward. Where with these guys, it's I mean, I understand it's not it's not a total shot in the dark because again look at who they are, look at Ohio State's offense, you feel good about that. But you're doing a lot more projecting and you're doing a lot more guesswork than you are for like a Donovan Jackson. That's, you know, Steven said like that was a safe pick. I, th- that's kind of what I opted for with with this. And that, and that was kind of like, as we go down the list, I think you'll kind of see as we get further and further down, you'll see how I kind of ranked these players a little bit. Safety was big for me when I did this. Um, I, if, if you can guarantee me that a dude is going to be at least good, then I was really high on that player. You know, I know that we had this off season conversation about would Ohio state win a national championship this year mm-hmm. if it had Stetson Bennett at quarterback. And I know that we had a lot of fun at the expense of Stetson Bennett on this podcast over the years. Um, yeah. we had egg on our face about it though, because as it turns out, Stetson Bennett was legitimately one of the best quarterbacks in the country last year in terms mm-hmm. of. Like the the not just not just I'm not talking about just uh, counting numbers production. I'm talking about efficiency and those sorts of things. Stetson Bennett was not substantially off of the Ohio State quarterback standard. It was in the same ballpark. So again, I think if that's what we're thinking, like if it's almost to the point when you're talking about the starting quarterback at Ohio State being like eighth or ninth on this list and below offensive linemen and below tight ends like Cade Stover or whatever, which I assume is what we're going to get to at some point, you're starting to talk about the quarterback play as being, uh, this offense is going to succeed in spite of the quarterback play. And I Mm -hmm. don't think that's the right way to, I don't think that's the right perspective at this point. I know that neither one of these guys has come out and, and put this away, but I think this is much more like, this is much more a case of, if there had been two C.J. Strouds in 2021, how long yep. would that quarterback race have gone? That's much more close to why hasn't one of these guys pulled away from Kyle McCord, I guess, as C.J. Stroud did in 2021. 
already. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with you there. This is like, Donovan Jackson was the only offensive lineman I would have considered over. I consider over Kyle McCord. Like the rest of the yeah. list. Yeah, for the, sure. The, the four guys I had in front of of Kyle McCord or Devin Brown or those four guys who, at their best, are all American level, first round level talents. Where it's if we get to the end of the year, and you're like. Kyle McCord is a Heisman Trophy finalist, but he's also like the fifth best player on his team. It's like, that's a pretty darn good team. That team yeah. probably should win a national championship. You had or at least be in the national on your list. Yeah, right? I had Devin Brown. Yeah, yeah, I did. The only other player I had ahead of him, and I'll reveal that when we actually draft him. But okay. everybody I had above, yeah, all the people I had above him are guys who could do something where at the end of the year, they're on the same list that he's on in terms of all-American list, first-round type list and stuff like that. They're not guys outside of that conversation. So those are the first five picks. <laughs> I was got, got spicy. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got a lot more spicy than I thought I was going to get. Marvin Harrison, number one. Emeka Buka, number two. Travion Henderson, number two, three, three. Diamond Jackson, number four. Kyle McCord, number five. When we come back, I will be up with the sixth pick. When we come back here on Buckeye Talk. Back here on Buckeye Talk, Stephen Means. Nathan Baird, Andrew Gillis. I am up with the sixth pick, and I am going to take the only other guy I had ahead of a quarterback here, and it's because I think I don't think his production is going to allow him to be on some of this list, but I think he can take the step. And I understand that you you didn't Nathan, you don't agree with maybe a tight end should be above, but I do think Cade Stover coming off the year he had last year where that's probably the best it's going to get production-wise for a tight end because of all the other weapons and how they use their tight end. But I do think his level of play can be top five in the country tight end. Brock Bowers is the best tight end in the country. So that's not, that's not a conversation he can enter. But I do think that he can have a level of play where we're going, he, his ability is one of the five best tight ends in the country. And so I had him... At, as the last player above a quarterback, the the Texers had him at number five with the most fifth place votes, having twenty point three percent of the first place of the fifth place votes. Nathan, where did you have Cade Stover? And I know I already know you don't agree that he should be above the quarterbacks, but where did you have him on your list? He was seventh on my list, right below Trevor Henderson okay. and Donovan Jackson, and I think he's a, a incredibly important player to the to this team. And, and the first player that we've talked about, who's importance and I, I I wouldn't even include an offensive lineman in this because you can mm. you can quantify their production in, in ways if you want to. It, that his his presence is not the importance of it isn't always going to show up in, in numerical ways. And mm-hmm. what he is to this team in terms of his um demeanor and his attitude and just the way he carries himself and the i think the way that the the way he raises expectations on a day-to-day basis around that place i think are immeasurable in some ways not to get too hyperbolic about it he's just one of those guys this is a guy who his identity is the team's identity the team is is him so i agree i i would disagree i don't know that i think he We'll see if he if he gets into that realm of being considered one of the five best tight ends in the country. And I know you're talking about a a, a broader way of measuring that, but mm-hmm. there are a lot of really great tight ends who do a lot of things he does yeah. and do get featured in their offense. And, and you know what I mean. So yeah, 
we'll, we'll see if it if it gets to that level. But I I think he's certainly one of the it should be taken in the top half of an exercise like this because it it what he is is it, it reverberates so much through this whole roster. So before before you go, Andrew, if we change the word from best to important, how high does he rise on the list for you? I think it's still the, it's roughly the same because while it's all of those things are okay. true, while all those things are true, um, I, I think the quarterbacks rise up the thing if you're talking about most important for sure. Um, uh, so you know, I don't think you can move him that much higher because at the end of the day, while all those things are important, there are ways he could have that impact even if he wasn't playing, sort of. So uh, you know, being around the team, whatever. Um, I will say now, I've the one who's beaten the drum about how important how massive his loss losing him was in the national championship game if he doesn't leave i think it might have been enough of a difference maker on a couple of crucial plays that you might have gotten around the loss of marvin harrison jr and still won that game like you can look back we did and and see crucial plays where Mm -hmm. his absence made a difference so i'm being maybe a little bit um hypocritical here i just think that all of these other positions guys have the ball in their hands so much more and are elite at it. I think if I would have said important instead of best, McCord probably jumps to three for me. Devin Brown's probably four. And then Cade Stober's five and Donovan Jackson comes down because he's also, that's yeah, now I, you're talking about positional value and whatnot. So, so for me, it, that, that word did, would have changed this, this exercise a lot for me. Andrew, where did you have Cade Stover on your list? Uh, I had Cade Stover six. Um, I think, you know, when you, when you talk about, you know, you mentioned, you know, best first important. Yeah. I'm, I don't have McCord and Brown at eight and nine anymore. Um, you know, I'm having, you know, I, I understand that, you know, there's a two quarterback thing going on right now. I, I mean, frankly, there's a it, first, second, third, I, any one of those spots, I, I think you could kind of make a case for with one of the quarterbacks if it was important. Um, so, but yeah, if with Cade, it, it doesn't really move for me. Uh, I would have kind of kept him same ballpark. So pick number seven, where are you going, Mr. Gillis? Uh, what did you say to Nathan about production, not equaling talent or something like that? Whatever your phrase was. I don't know. I say a lot of things. Oh, Some, something um, like that. They can have Heisman level production, but that doesn't necessarily mean they have to be the best player on the team or something oh, like that. I don't know. Oh, let, well, so let's invert that. Because uh, I went with Mayan Williams. Um, so what I, I Nathan Steven, is going to blow a gasket. I know. I know. Well, so <laughs> and I am too. <laughs> when I was so here's the thing. Let's pretend Travion Henderson was not on the Ohio State football roster anymore. Where would you rank mm-hmm. Mayan? Because again, this is best. This isn't important. This isn't what. Where would you rank Travion Henderson if Mayan Williams wasn't here? Wait, like, where, you mean where would we rank Mayan if Trevion or, wasn't Sorry, here? yeah, I, I screwed that up. Where would you rank Mayan if Trevion Henderson was not here? The same place I ranked him. Yeah, no. no. Yeah, I'd Interesting. rank him the same. There's a, okay. There is a significant difference in ceiling between Trevion Henderson and Mayan Williams. I, I agree. I absolutely agree. And I think seven is a good spot for him. Um, but, you know, I, I looked at some of his numbers. Um, I mean, last year, I mean, 6.4 yards a carry, over 800 yards. Uh, there was a, a PFF chart I pulled up from Power Five running backs from 2014 to 2022. Uh, he had the most missed tackles per touch at 0.4. Uh, 
Uh, that's better than any power five running back since 2014. Uh, that means Javante Williams. That means BJ, uh, Bijan Robinson. That means Travis Etienne. That means all those guys. Uh, he almost averaged, uh, or he was just shy, I should say, of 4.5 yards after contact uh, per carry. Uh, that is also one of the best marks of that time frame, uh, just behind Travis Etienne. But that also puts him in the ballpark of Bijan Robinson, Javante Williams, etc. Now, I'm not saying that he is that level of player. But I do think he is a really talented running back, and I think that people might view him a little bit differently if Trevion Henderson was not here. Um, so, I, again, this kind of goes back to my original point when we were talking about the quarterbacks. I feel comfortable in this guy having some sort of role in this offense that is going to be important. Uh, I feel confident that he's going to play well in that role. This to me was another floor pick. It's my second essentially floor pick in a row where I'm like, all right, mine Williams is probably going to be pretty good this year. And I feel good kind of ranking him right in the middle of this offense. So uh, I think Nathan's ready to yell at me. So I'm going to let him go. (laughs) No, I'll say two things. Number one, everything you just said about him last year is correct. I mean, he was, and Mm there have been a lot of Mia Coppola's on this podcast over the years about mine Williams that we probably overlooked him and were too dismissive of him at times. And he came back and proved himself in a big way. The reason I still wouldn't vote him very high is because I can tell you what happens if Trevin Henderson and Mayan Williams both aren't on this team. Dallin Hayden ran for a bunch of yards last year when that happened. And that, that gives me a little perspective just on, um, I, I, I have to be a little bit tricky with how I say it. Like, I think the running back, Production is important, but I just think that, it, it, especially when you compare him to what you have to get out of quarterbacks and and what they can do on their own, uh, I don't. My Williams isn't to me someone who maybe does it as much on his own, and I would I would just prioritize the players who I think can do it on their own a little bit more. But that sounds like I'm again when we're doing these rankings, and I had him I had him next on my list. I mean, I had him eighth on my list, so right after Cade Stover. I'm not. I, yeah. I still think he's one of the in the top half of the most important players on this team or top half of a top 15 um, on offense. I, I just prioritize maybe the guys mm-hmm. who can, can break it loose on their own a little bit more. Sure. I also, I also had him eighth. The Texas had him six. I think the <laughs> Mayan Williams is not as good as sometimes people want to say he is, but he's also not as bad as sometimes we, it feels like you can talk about him. There's this, there's this fine line where you got to talk about Mayan Williams. Where if he's the second, the Wisconsin game to me is the epitome of what Ohio State wants from the running back room. Trayvon Henderson and Mayan Williams both had 100 yards that game. But Trayvon Henderson got the ball 20 times, and Mayan Williams, especially as a violent runner, only got it 10 times. He turned it into 100 yards, but it's because of the violent way he runs sometimes. And when Trayvon Henderson has maybe worn you down a little bit, and now you're coming with that. That's how you end up with 100 yards on 10 carries. And I think that's what they want. Actually, I know that's what they want. That's why I keep talking about Travion Henderson the way they're talking about Travion Henderson. And so when the coaching staff is telling you that and the, the usage when both of those guys are 100% healthy tell you that's the case, I don't think you can have Mayan Williams any higher than eighth and maybe even ninth, depending on who else comes into this conversation. But I had him eighth. Nathan had him eighth. You had him seventh. The Texans had him sixth. Nathan, Sorry, there's a quarterback still. 
yeah, Nathan, the quarterback is still on the board. I'm assuming you are going to take the quarterback with the weird number. Well, yeah, because I mean, we're not building a team here. We're just picking who we think the best players on the offense are, the best football players on the yes, offense. Sir. So I had Devin Brown fourth, and I'll, I'll definitely take him here at eighth. And, and listen, like if a top 50-ish quarterback was ready to start in his second year, but the other quarterback wasn't here, and we were just talking about this guy was building into this season, I mm-hmm. think he's still on the board here. Like I think, I, I, I again, I'm kind of at a loss. Uh, I I understand, I guess, where people are coming from, but I just think like the, there is more reason to trust Ryan Day's process and his ability to select and develop a quarterback who's then going to go out and play unquestionably like one of the best players on this offense than there is to doubt that either one of these guys not even saying both that either one of these guys is not it and I just think it was I don't it wasn't that hard for me I had like I said I had Brown third I had uh, I'm sorry I had McCord third I had Brown fourth but it frankly was essentially a tie like if you're because if you're asking me like you know the they're both as Ryan Mm -hmm. Day is saying like both both deserve to start or both both deserve to play at least in the season opener and and both have pushed each other right to the brink of this going by you know face value of what he said and and things that we're seeing and hearing and then um then i i don't know how you put them much lower it's just that it isn't as if it isn't as if both of these guys were like questionable prospects and hopefully they've developed enough and um Ohio State's going to have to try to do some like real interesting schemey things to try to maximize their production. Like uh, both these guys can sling it. And uh, I think that the, the doubt has gone a little bit too far on the entire quarterback process. Maybe I'll, uh, maybe we'll get to Indiana and they look bad and I'll have egg on my face and I'll come on here and say I was wrong. I just think that there's every reason to expect really strong quarterback play this year. But even bad would put them sixth or seventh. I don't think it gets so bad that they're like actually bad that we're not yeah. sure they're championship caliber. You asked Brian Hartline a question. I was going back and listening to that stuff. You just straight up asked him, are you surprised that you don't have a starting quarterback yet? And he went, oh, we have a starting quarterback. We just don't know which one yet, which is another feather in the hat of the quarterback is going to be very, very good. He just doesn't have a name tag yet because you have two guys who have proven that they can carry that that responsibility this season. So I would have wanted him higher. He was the last person who did get a first place vote. He finished tenth amongst the Texers, but he also got he was third in first place votes. So it's it's kind of all over the map with him there. So I'm up at number nine, and this is I think where it gets a little weird. I'm coming off of a pot where I just talked about, hey, maybe Cardinal takes and steals some snaps from some guys this year. But I think he hasn't done anything yet, and I didn't include freshmen in this conversation because they have literally done nothing. So it's it, you can't even – at least everybody else on this list has been here, and they're involved in a situation where they may start. So because that's not a conversation, I am going to take Julian Fleming with the number nine pick here as the ninth best player on this team. I think this is a good spot for him behind the quarterbacks with a significant gap between him and the top two wide receivers. But if he's healthy, at least the way he was talking when we talked to the receivers on Tuesday night, well, not really healthy. He's got two screws in his shoulder. So as healthy as you can be with metal in your shoulders. But 
His floor is what he did last year at the beginning of the year when he was a bit of a touchdown magnet when he got healthy. And his ceiling is maybe his stats look like what Chris Olave's stats were in 2021, where he's got like 900 yards and eight or nine touchdowns because he's the third wheel in that Marvin Harrison, Emeka, Buka as the top duo. And people are so focused on them that he gets to rack up the stats while also being healthy and doing so. Andrew, where did you have Julian on your list? Uh, I misread it earlier, so I had Julian seven. Um, I missed my list earlier. Uh, but in doing um, in doing prep for this, I uh, read an article on uh, Cleveland.com by uh, someone named Stephen Means. And, um, you know, one of the oh. quotes is sure. that I what I found <laughs> that I thought was really interesting was from Ryan Day last year when he said, um, what you didn't know, what you didn't really notice, probably, or maybe you have to go back and watch, is how physical he is in the run game. Cracking safeties, going down and being physical in the run game. There's typically somebody extra coming down in the box. We've talked about this for years. If you have a wide receiver that's going in and making blocks on those safeties, we can get the ball to the corner, and that's a big difference. And that I think is kind of the not sexy part of this draft, right? Like that to me is the part that. You know, everybody wants to look at the yards and the touchdowns or, you know, the All-American lists or whatever you want to look at. But I think that that, that matters and that really is important. And, and I think that that's kind of something that I valued really highly um, with Julian. Again, like you, like Steven said, you kind of know what he is and you know what you're going to get out of him. Like, you know what his floor is and his floor is was kind of what he did last year. So. Yeah, I um I, I I really like Julian Fleming. I think this is a uh, I think this is a solid spot for him. Yeah, I, item number nine. Yeah, number nine on my list. And I, is there a better th- number three receiver in the country? Probably not. I don't know. I don't know every receiving core Maybe. in the country. But yeah. I mean that I, who like he was the number one receiver prospect in his class, and he is like as much as his body has been beat up, is a pretty physical dude. And he's got receiving skills too. And I know he doesn't get the targets that the other guys do, but his positionally that, that fits a little bit. And he tends, you know, I thought he did a decent job last year, just maximizing the opportunities he did get, which is sometimes all you can ask a guy to do. I just don't know how many teams you, you look at across the country and you have to go all the way down to their number three receiver to get someone as good as Julian Fleming because the two guys ahead of him. I mean, it's really more discussion about do, does Ohio State have the best two receivers in the country, I suppose. But you know what I'm saying? Like, this is this yeah. is pretty deep. You're getting pretty deep on a defense's game plan before they have to worry about Julian Fleming, which is a problem. That's that's the whole thing, right? Right. That's that's what that's what that's a description of how loaded this offense is. Marvin and the Mecca are clearly the two best receivers in the Big Ten. I mean, in the country, we can have a different conversation, but in the Big Ten, it's very clear. Yeah. Is Julian Fleming in the top five? Top five receivers like can, in the country? In the Big oh, Ten. In the Big oh, in the Big Ten. Oh, in the country, no. Like, yeah. can he be the fifth? Is he? Like, can you make a case that he's like the fifth best receiver in the Big Ten? Well, I mean, Keon Coleman left. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, you could probably try to make the case. It, he's not going to get the opportunities that some other guys get. I mean, right. there's some other guys who are going to be featured. And what always happens too is there's somebody, there's some other offenses that, that do sling it a lot, whether that's, yeah. you know, um, Purdue or, you know, um, you know, Penn State will, will throw the ball a lot too and, and, and has a good, 
a good um, infrastructure for that typically. And so that's something I'm, I'm would kind of keep my my eye on. Like, does somebody emerge from one of these other offenses that maybe we're just not thinking of yet? But no, I mean it's it's I, that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, I mean, yeah. You, <laughs> is in the last year 34 catches 500 i mean he was the number 14 well let's not let's, not do, it by, uh, let's not do it yards per game yeah yards per game is one thing but like yeah if you just went off of that number 14 in the big 10 and that's because he's he missed two games and was the third guy mm-hmm. on this uh, the third option in this receiving attack so just what you get out of him compared to what you get out of the third receiver on just about any team in the country is impressive I think the two more, but he was tied for seventh in total touchdowns with six. And that's with two of the people above him, the number one guy, number three guy being his teammates. But he was third in yards per catch behind Sean Ryan at Rutgers with 16.92. Yep. And then Marvin, 16.40. And then Julian Fleming, 15.68. So we, we keep talking about deep threat, right? That was the thing with Jaden Ballard. Can he be a deep threat? Can he be a deep threat? Maybe a healthy Julian Fleming, who he said he ran a low 4-4. When I asked him, that was in high school. So that's before he had gone through a college development and physical development. So maybe he's even faster than that now. But a guy that big and that fast, maybe he's your deep threat. You know, maybe he's able to take the top off the defenses a little bit more consistently this year if he's going to be healthier. Andrew, you have the last pick of technically the second round, so the second five, with the 10th pick. Who's the 10th best player on Ohio State's offense? Uh, well, uh, you know, we're, we're, when I look at my big board, if you will, uh, the top nine players are gone. Um, and I, you know, I had typically how that goes. Yeah. Um, so the top nine <laughs> players are gone. Um, Hashtag I had counting. two quarterbacks, two running backs. Uh, now you kind of get down to the nitty gritty a little bit. I think this was a pretty safe pick of, uh, it with, uh, 10th overall with, with Matthew Jones, um, at right guard. Um, I, you look at the, the offensive line and you have concerns at tackle, I would say, you know, or at least you're, you're cautious, you know, if you're not concerned, you're cautiously optimistic about tackle. Um, you don't really have those questions on the interior. I wouldn't think with, at least with your guard play, um, you know, you got a extremely veteran guy in Matthew Jones. So, you know, taking him here, I, again, I, I kind of feel like a broken record. Another play where you're just like, all right, you kind of know what you're getting in this dude. He's a veteran player in this program. Been here a while. Um, yeah, there's not, not much to it. So Matthew Jones, six-year player? 18, six 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. Six-year player in the program. Second-year starter. Yep. Third-year contributor because he was kind of like a, a rotating guy in there in that 2021 season. He was ninth for the Texers with a weighted score. Here's the top 10 so far, because we now that we've gotten the top 10 out of the way from the Texers. Marvin Harrison Jr. with a rated ranking of 1.14. Ameka Ibuka with a weighted ranking of 2.54. Excuse me. Travion Henderson was third with a weighted rank of 3.80. And then Donovan Jackson at four at 5.59. Cade Stover at five at 6.57. Mayan Williams at six with 7.91. Kyle McCord at seven with an 8.77. Julian Fleming with an 8.86. He was eighth. Matthew Jones with a, at number nine with a 9.70. And then Devin Brown was 10th with a 9.76. That was from the Texers. 
Andrew's taking Matthew Jones 10th. Nathan, where did you have Matthew Jones? And was he also in your top 10? Yeah, 10th on my list. And I think my list sounds like it was a lot like Andrew's, except for the quarterback thing. And whereas my top nine were, I think, pretty locked away. And then once I got to 10, I could talk myself into several things. But I think Matt Jones is one of those guys whose steadiness is maybe a little bit underrated at this point. And just because he hasn't necessarily played at a, um, you know, uh, front of mind way in terms of like being one of the best offensive linemen in the country or whatever, uh, you're right that like we're going into our third year of him being an important part of the offense and the second year as a starter. Those things have great value and especially has great value on this. And I don't know if this can really be if we're supposed to just be selecting caliber of player. Um, maybe there's guys who should be hired. There's better football players on the roster, I suppose, mm-hmm. than Matt Jones or some of these other offensive linemen in some cases or or other players we're about to talk about. But I think that the fact that his presence is such a stabilizing influence on an otherwise still, what exactly is this going to look like offensive line? Even if we know what the people are, who the people are, we don't know exactly how it's going to work in this early part of the season, I think that has value too. I think that enhances his value. I think he's the responsible pick. I also had him at 10 because 11 through 15, I think any of the guys that you might choose there to have them above Matthew Jones right now would be a reach without cause. Because even with the quarterback situation, Nathan, you having him at three and four, there's cause to have them that high, even though we haven't seen them. And it's the proof in the pudding of first-year starting quarterbacks under Ryan Day go to New York. Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, C.J. Stroud. So that's the floor of what we're talking about here. So if you want to put them at three and four, you can be like, how do you guys not have them at three or four if everybody else doesn't have that? With the rest of the guys that we're going to get to on the third segment here, it's not the same. Whether, it's be, whether they're transfers or whether they're guys who have been in the program who are just ready to play. It's not the same thing here. While Matthew Jones is going to be pretty good this year. Is he going to be first team all Big Ten? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe he is. Maybe he's not. But I think he'll be a pretty good guard for Ohio State, and he's reliable and has been for three years now. So that's our top ten. Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Ibuka, Trayvon Henderson, Donovan Jackson, Kyle McCord, Cade Stover, Mayan Williams, Devin Brown, Julian Fleming, and Matthew Jones. We're going to take one last break, and when we come back, we'll finish up 11 through 15. Get the text, 614-350-3315, and then you can yell at Nathan about whether or not you agree with him about having the quarterbacks third and fourth on his list or not or tell him you agree with him. Also, it's the get a two-week free trial. This is perfect. Seriously. Perfect time. You'll get the first full week week of the season, and then you'll get a big chunk of the second full week of the season. So sign up, 614-350-3315. Nathan, you are on the clock at number 11. And who are you taking as the 11th best player on Ohio State's offense? So this is where I think I stopped going off of just pure, um, what do I want to say, like uh, athletic ability or whatever, and you have to take into account who is actually playing and, and how they've been elevated to that mm-hmm. spot. So I'm putting Josh Simmons here at 11, and that's a pretty quick elevation for someone who wasn't even here till the fall. And I still have real skepticism 
about what this is going to look like. They're all talking in a very positive way about Simmons from Ryan Day down through everybody else. And from talking to him, he seems like he he does have know what he's doing and has built some confidence among his teammates. I think that's the important thing that when you talk to the guys on this team, it's we talk about this all the time. Like sometimes you have to try to read between the lines on things, but you didn't really have to with him. Like other guys on this team are like, no, like he can do it. He's he he came in, he proved himself right away. He's he is capable of playing at this level, and we think he's going to be a good left tackle. And the fact that they so quickly trusted him at left tackle also influenced my decision here. I might have looked to put another, you know, go farther down the list on the skill positions and and put somebody else higher, if not for something like that. But he, I think, by locking that position in particular down, I think it is, at the college level, still more important to to have a great left tackle than it is at right tackle, especially with a first-time starting quarterback, and that they're giving him that job influenced, I think, my selection. So I took him here at number 11. I also had him 11th on my list. I think it's it matters that the first time we saw him, he was working with the twos, which isn't surprising because he probably had to learn a couple stuff. And then a week later, we went out to practice, and he was starting at left tackle. I think that matters. I think it matters the way the defensive line talked about him in the hot highly regard the fact that the offensive line talked about him in highly regard and he got they went and got him because they weren't really too happy with what they had at right tackle in the spring and how that battle was going and then two weeks in the fall camp now he's playing left tackle which is still the money position I, I think there's some upside there that they might tap into and so yeah he was the second he was the third offensive lineman off on my board as well Andrew where did you have Joshua Simmons uh, it was officially Josh Simmons. Yeah, crazy. by the way, we don't have to go back and forth with this anymore. Uh, funny enough, how's this for symmetry? I also had him eleventh. Um, you know, I I think I got to ten with what I did, and not to spoil some of my list, but I was like, all right, who who haven't I named? And there were, there were a couple offensive linemen on the list, so I kind of ranked the offensive linemen uh, a little bit. Um, so yeah, I had I had him eleventh on my list as well. So the Texans had him 14th with a rated uh, a weighted rank of 13.99. Uh, he was still the third offensive lineman off the board. No, I'm sorry. He was the fourth offensive lineman. So there was one more offensive lineman ahead of him. But I, I get it. He's new here. They haven't actually gotten a chance to see him play a whole lot. So I understand why they maybe voted him low there to keep this trend moving. Andrew, who did you vote? 12. Uh, extremely on brand that I end with three offensive linemen. Um, I picked Josh Fryer. Um, you know, Nathan kind of said you, you have to go to, to what guys have done. Um, that's kind of what I'd been doing the whole time. I think had we gotten one or two more picks, you're starting to get into projection territory for me. But, um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, stability matters here, especially, I mean, when you're, when you're picking, what is this 13th kind of at this point? Um, yeah, I, I, you know, having a guy who's experienced, having a guy who's a little bit older, that mattered for me. Um, so yeah, I, I took Josh Fryer here. I know, um, you know, it's, again, it's not the sexiest pick in the world. It's not the pick that's going to make you, you know, kind of go deep into thought, I don't think, or anything like that. But uh, I I, uh, I felt good with him at, at 13 here. So I just skipped myself, but I was going to take Josh Fryer at 12 as well. The Texans had him at 12. Nathan, where did you have him? Oh yes. yeah, Josh Fryer. Yeah, I had him twelfth. I had him twelfth as well. Yeah, and I thought about even at one point having him above Simmons. I think that the left tackle thing pushed me to to put Simmons higher. 
But, uh, you know, Fryer, again, like just the stability that he brings to this team, I think is important because when, if something were to go wrong, he's kind of the stopgap of a chain reaction, potentially. Like if they had to move him to guard because their next best guy is a tackle, then they could do that. And if something happens at left tackle, they could potentially, would they be better off moving him there than somebody less experienced and then backfilling at right tackle? Like he is uh, having someone with that versatility and someone who's probably just underrated overall as a player is important. So uh, yeah, 12th on my list. So I'll go here since I just skipped myself. Josh Fryer was also talked about the Texers with a rated weight rank score of 11.91. I'm going to take Dallin Hayden at 13. And part of the reason was you're in a position now where you're talking about guys who might play. And I think he's going to play this year. I think he's their third running back. And Mayan Williams and Trey Ren Henderson have injury histories in a way that I expect Dallin Hayden to have a real role. I expect it to be the third guy, but I mean, we've had a conversation of whether or not we think he'll have over or under a hundred carries this year, but maybe he doesn't have a hundred, but I think he has at least 70 just because things happen or just because they're up so high in the game that they don't need Travion Henderson in the second half. They don't need Maya Williams in the second half. And I think he showed enough last year where yes, Travion Henderson has the highest ceiling. Yes. Maya Williams could do some things, but the offense kind of moved, especially in the running game at times when Dallin Hayden was out there, especially when you think of the Maryland game and you think of maybe some games earlier on in the season where he got his opportunity. And so I have him higher than the fifth starting offensive lineman and then another wide receiver who might end up making this list. The Texers also had him 13th with a rated rank score of 13.36. Nathan, where did you have Dallin Hayden? He, he wasn't in my top 15, but okay. – uh, but only because I I just I was putting more value on some people who I I know are definitely going to have a, mm-hmm. a big role. But I, I think you can get there with him just because of the guys who it's more speculative about. Like, you know, for, for instance, like, you know, I know we're talking about Carnell Tate a lot these days, but Dallin Hayden's actually got in games and did it. Like did it mm-hmm. against Big Ten teams, did it and went and stepped up when Ohio State really needed him, like, you know, the Maryland game last year. Like he's he who knows if they win that game without Dallin Hayden, like things like that. Like those are legitimate things you can talk about where it's not the speculative coming of talent down the line. So I I don't have a problem with putting him on this list. And of, of the guys who didn't make my top 15, but who are a little bit more speculative, he was the closest to making my list. So go ahead. This is your last pick. The 14th best player on Ohio State's offense. Who did you go with? I'll take Xavier Johnson here, and it's just for a recognition of what he is. I mean, throw out the block O stuff, but but also maybe don't. I mean, they they talk about what mm-hmm. that that what he means to this team intangibly. But the thing, if we're just talking about like best pound for pound football players, like there aren't a lot of guys on this roster probably who could make the catch and touchdown play he did against Notre Dame, and then on the mm-hmm. very next like scrimmage snap of the game it wasn't scrimmage snap, but special team snap, but goes down and makes like a big tackle on special teams. Like as yeah. many great football players as there are on Ohio state's roster at any given time, there's probably a smaller group that could do that and, and have both be able to perform in both of those functions back to back. And they're critically important. I mean, it's, it's like a major touchdown in a huge game and then a sort of momentum establishing play after that. So, uh, and then, you know, to, to be able to, 
come in and transition from you know uh, having to fill in for Marvin Harrison Jr. essentially in the in the playoff and still making a big play and touchdown and showing off some athleticism that people probably don't think he had or give him give him the credit for. Yeah, I think this is easy. You could maybe even argue Xavier Johnson should be higher. I had him 14th on my list. I I went back and forth between him and Dallin Hayden about who I wanted 13th, but there's value there, both in the running back room and in the wide receiver room and in the return game. They're going to use him all over the place, but he, he, just not, he's not going to be dominant in one spot. And I feel like Dallin Hayden has a better chance of doing that, and some of that has nothing to do with him and more about the injury history of the guys in front of him. Andrew, where did you have Xavier Johnson, the now block over Cyprian? Item 15th. Um, so I, again, we're kind of in the same ballpark. Yeah. You know, I mean, for the same reasons that I went with Fryer, you know, you talk about guys that, all right, pound for pound football player, like Nathan said, he's, he's kind of up on that list. So there's just, you, not to, I don't mean this in a negative way, but you do kind of run out of options at some point where you're talking about like productive players and like kind of what you know. So yeah, I, uh, I went with him 15. So the Texers voted him 11th with a rated weight score of 11.69. You had a last pick. You're new here, and you're just going through this. So I'm going to give you the first and the last. Well, pick. did did so? I already picked five. Now, does mm-hmm. that matter? No, Are we skipping you. Or no, all right. I'm giving. I'm, I'm. That's why I said I'm giving you the last pick. Uh, well, <laughs> go ahead, Nathan. <laughs> that's why I said it. Go ahead, Nathan. <laughs> I think he just doesn't want to have to make a decision between the guys he has left on his board. Yeah. Um, and when you're hosting the pods, you can do that. Hey! And you said no freshman, correct? No freshman. All right. Uh, so, uh, Carson Hinsman, um, I went with him. He was on my list. Um, I, you know, I again, this was the one that I struggled with a little bit because you are talking about projection for him, obviously. You know, you, you can't really rely on a ton of past past efforts and past, um, you know, kind of, you know, performance. But, um, you know, now that I say this out loud and into the world, I'm, I'm kind of thinking maybe I should have had him a little bit lower. Um, but again, I, I think, you know, starting offensive lineman, you know, picking him at this point when you're picking him last, I feel okay with that. Um, I feel okay with kind of taking him here and just kind of knowing that, okay, he, he has beat some guys out to start. He's going to be, or he presumed to be the starting center. So uh, I feel good about him here. So Texas also had him 15th with a rated wing score of 14.64. Nathan, where did you have Carson? Didn't didn't make mine my list, but it was right there next to it. It's mm-hmm. just the one position on the offensive line where there still is a little bit more, I think, performance question. And um, I, I think the guy who might have to he probably still has some some growth to do, but uh, I'm not not to the extent that I think it's maybe a, a problem or anything. Just mm-hmm. you know, you had to cut had to cut it off somewhere, and he didn't make my list. I think his NFL ceiling might be higher than Luke Whipper's, but I don't know if his floor is as high as what Luke Whipper's was as a center, and that's because he didn't come here as a center the way Luke Whipper did. Nathan, you had two guys who didn't make this list, but were on your list. Who were those guys? Well, I didn't know about it, the no freshman uh, mandate. So I had Carnell Tate on my list and mm. I had Lincoln Keenholz 15th. Oh, wow. Two freshmen. I respect that. I, I respect it. I, I get it. I get it with both of those guys. I, I, I get it. So that'll do it with our list. Our official list, though, 
I sent that to the Texas too, no freshman. Number one, Marvin Harrison. Number two, Emeka Ibuka. Number three, Travion Henderson. Number four, Donovan Jackson. Number five, Kyle McCord. Number six, Cade Stover. Number seven, Mayan Williams. Number eight, Devin Brown. Number nine, Julian Fleming. Number 10, Matthew Jones. Number 11, Josh Simmons. Number 12, Josh Fryer. Number 13, Dallin Hayden. Number 14, Xavier Johnson. And number 15, center Carson Hensman. We'll be back again on Friday to do the defensive side of the ball, which I mean, if this got spicy with just two quarterback talks, I am wondering how much more spicy that defensive one will get. But sign up for the text if you want to participate as a texter in these surveys and more. 614-350-3315. For Nathan Baird and for Andrew Gillis, I'm Stephen Means, and that was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>